You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Would you rather have wireless on the most reliable network nationwide or unlimited with 5G for $30 a month per line? You don't have to choose with Xfinity Mobile. Wireless so good it keeps one-upping itself. Most reliable based on Root's metric U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. $30 per month per line when you get four lines. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the Goldilocks Productions presentation of the In the Psychic Flow Show with Caroline Carey. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to In the Psychic Flow. I am delighted to, this evening to have two very special guests. I just want to make a, a mention of a few things here this evening. Uh, we will not be doing any mini readings tonight. We have a strict interview tonight. Strictly interview. So if anyone does uh, pose a um, super sticker, we will put that towards next week, which I think is me. I'll have to double check my calendar. In any event, please check out uh, my website, carolannecarry.com. Be delighted to be your spirit connection. So without further ado, because I have two very special guests and we have a lot to get through, and I think you're going to find this fascinating, is we have the lovely and talented Mr. Carl Petrie with us this evening. Hi, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great being on the show. Thank you. His <laughs> lovely wife, Dr. Suli Petrie, is with us this evening. She graciously agreed to come on so that we can get the skinny on what it's like to be married to a gentleman who is a psychic or, you know, an accomplished author and independent filmmaker 
and several other things that he does. So let's let me say first, Carl is the author of Ab- Absent Witness, and he was on last year this month to talk about that book, which is fascinating about several cases that he has worked on. And he now has a new book called Somewhere the Dead Are Singing. So that's a fascinating title right there. Uh, what is unusual about Carl is, uh, first of all, he didn't recognize his abilities until probably his 40s did he really let people know. He, he recognized abilities, but didn't say much about it. He is a Vietnam veteran who was uh, substantially injured there and was hospitalized for several months. He married his childhood sweetheart at in 1973, and uh, that is Dr. Suley. Uh, Carl uses primarily, correct me if I'm wrong, clairvoyance, retrocognition, and psychometry. That's correct. And uh, as an independent filmmaker, he has uh, had a compliment from Steven Spielberg about a documentary that Carl put together for a gentleman whose first name is Bob, and I think it's Doolin. Bob Durant. Okay. And Durant, and he was talking about uh, UFOs, and you did yeah. a documentary. It was uh, the Roswell incident. The Roswell incident. And so you were complimented by uh, Mr. Steven Spielberg, and I think that's quite an accomplishment as well. So there. So we have this brief bio, The Childhood Sweethearts, one of which is Dr. Suley, who is a practicing psychologist. Her PhD is in psychology. She is located, they are both located in New Jersey. Uh, she has a very interesting spin on, on her practice, which is working with grieving people, people who have gone through loss, uh, into, uh, interpersonal relationships, things of that nature. She is uh, fluent in Spanish and Portuguese. And uh, has a, a different spin on uh, what she can introduce using Carl's abilities as well. So I think they make a dynamite team. And I thought I would speak. Would you like to, Carl, speak about your new book? And then I'm going to pursue some questions with your lovely wife. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, well the new book is uh, called Somewhere the Dead Are Singing. Beautiful. I'm reading it now. Okay. And uh, I've touched on a number of uh, topics such as uh, time slip, um, shadow people, uh, and uh, as Bigfoot. Oh, wow. Uh, which really surprised a lot of people. And also, uh, we went to England. <laughs> and so I decided to take a look around England and see how far back I could see. Mm-hmm. It was a test for me. Uh, here in the United States, we're very young. We're a very young country. So uh, I go back to, to an, uh, 250 years, whatever. But how bad England when you could go back 1,000 or 2,000 years? So I decided to try Stonehenge and a lot of the crop, you know, the circles, uh, stone circles that they had in England to see how far back I could actually see. And that was my test. And that's in the book. And Fabulous. Also, I went to the uh, Mothman Festival. Okay. To see what that was like. And um, also a spattering of, of ghosts, ghost stories, and ghost items, items that are haunted. Interesting. That's all in the book. 
fabulous. And so I'm sure this is going to be a great seller as well. It's a very interesting topic. You write so well. You tell your story so well. Um, I What I love about you is you're really uh, more well-known than you let on. You uh, have worked very uh, a long time in the paranormal world. I, this book is dedicated to uh, one of the probably one of the most prominent paranormal experts. Wouldn't you agree, Rosemary Ellen Guiley? Yes, she is and, uh, tops. Tops, yes, and you dedicated this book to her, and she helped you with. Um, wasn't it? Uh, uh, didn't she lay the groundwork for? the remote viewing for the government program. Was well, I worked, I worked with uh, Ingo Swan. Oh, Ingo Swan. That was it. That was yes. it. Did she introduce you or did you in, in your, in your tra- travels, did you meet him and uh, work with him? No, it's very strange. Um, when I first started going to the uh, parapsychology foundation, um, people, you know, I told them what I could do. And so I would just do it. And, they were amazed at what I could do. So the word got back to Ingo. And there was a, a very famous uh, friend of mine, uh, the English psychic, Paula Roberts. Oh, okay. And, and Paula Roberts uh, spoke to Ingo, and Ingo said, I'd like to meet him. So one day when I was at the foundation, uh, I heard, Ingo Swan wants to meet you. That's like, you know, Howard Hughes wants to see you. He really doesn't see people. Now, he's a recluse. So uh, I went to see him, and uh, he, he was smoking a cigar, and he said, I heard a lot about you. And it seemed like he heard more than I thought he heard about me. And so uh, he tested me while I was there at his uh, uh, his studio, and from then on, we were very, very good friends. And uh, that's how I got introduced to uh, remote viewing. And sure. eventually, I got tested by the uh, uh, by the CIA, which is also in the book. That's so. fascinating. And um, you're so accomplished. You've met, you've worked a lot of cases: homicide, kidnapping, missing persons. Uh, you don't do readings per se. No. But you uh, deciding you decide on the situation or the events surrounding a situation whether you're going to take that case or not. Is is am I saying that correctly? That, that's correct. I um, never have charged for what I do. If I like a case and I take it, like I said, there's no cost. It will cost me money to investigate the case. Right, and, and I, I do it, and. Uh, sometimes it comes out well, sometimes it doesn't. Not from my perspective. The people let me down. The people yeah. I'm doing the work for. That's uh, fascinating. Thank you so much for what you contribute, both of you, to what you contribute to uh, our society. Um, I really, I'm very impressed, uh, Suli, if I may call you that. Yes. Uh, with Carl's humanity, his humility, he's. Uh, just seems like such a regular guy. What's your perspective being married to this gentleman for so long? What what can you tell us at what it feels like to be married to someone like this? Well, you know, I know him so long. Really what you see is what you get. <laughs> he is just very humble and very down to earth. Um, you know, he's, uh, I think 
you wrote about this in the book too, but that it's really one thing that uh, he learned like from working at the parapsychology center and different people giving him advice was to really keep his feet on the ground too, you know, keep his hands and feet like be in this earth. Don't just be totally in the paranormal world. So he does a lot of things like today he had to fix my dad's car battery. and You know, he'll do, he'll do all those things, different chores and he's just very handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to being very cerebral too and having a lot of cerebral conversations. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it, I, when we first started, uh, dating he would say to me um do you see um like the streets the cars are turning old like old cars do you see what i see and i just thought he had a really good imagination you know (laughs) i said no i don't see it but yeah i can imagine it right i can imagine these old cars on our city streets we grew up in newark and uh walking the city streets like this he said this used to be a cobblestone street and I see uh, Model A's or whatever it was that was driving down. And I said, oh, I can imagine that. But he says, but I can actually see it. And then just thought, well, he just has a really good imagination, you know. <laughs> um, and then as years go went on, uh, he started to really think that there was something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And actually uh, went to, you know, to psychiatrists to be evaluated and all but but his life his functioning was fine it, everything was good there wasn't any it was not any mental illness or any other problems um and then he, and he kept getting not being able to sleep problems <clears throat> until you went to um the parapsychology centers where i think you found right i went to a uh, i was referred to a priest uh who had a um uh, uh like a club or like a, I guess you could say like a club of people who had paranormal abilities. Uh-huh. And I was guided to him and um, it was in Summit, New Jersey. And it was a huge church um, with a huge building behind it. And I could hear people talking, young people laughing and running around. And so I went into the building and I started climbing the stairs. When I got to the top of the stairs at the end of the hallway, I could see an office, and there was a priest sitting behind a desk, staring straight ahead. He's looking at me, and I was oh. walking towards him. And he goes, you're Carl Petri. I said, yes. He goes, I knew the minute you walked into the building. Wow. And so I started telling him about, um, about the things that I could do. I said, for example, this office. You had wainscoting here, and there used to be a window right where your head is. And I described all this stuff, and he goes, yeah, we got rid of that 20 years ago. And I went into more details, and I could see him backing up in his chair as I was talking. And uh, finally looked at me, and he said, you are beyond anything we could do here for you. So he says, why don't you go to the Parapsychology Foundation in New York? I think they can help you. And that's why I got introduced to the Parapsychology Foundation and all the people associated with it. Uh, Rosemary Allen Guiley, uh, Dr. Joanne McBann, uh, Psychic uh, Paula Roberts, Ingo Swan, all these people. That's fascinating. And did that help you 
uh, I would imagine helped you tremendously to realize you weren't alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, then it was strange because they would ask me different questions and I would answer them and they would just look at each other and just let it go. Uh, I wrote about that in my new book about the things that I was doing there. Uh, I recall the one story, which I really liked was Dr. Joanne McMahon. She's a parapsychologist and she was director of the parapsychology foundation. And I said to her, I could look at a photograph, not all photographs, but some, I could go into the photograph, turn around and see who took the picture. That's amazing. And she said, you really can? I said, yes. So she immediately said, okay, come to my house, because she lived in New Jersey, and let's try it out. I said, okay. So I went into her house, and she had a like a dresser with all these family pictures on them. And I looked at the pictures, and I grabbed one, and I held it, and I, and I said, this I could see. There were two women, one with an apron and one without an apron, and they were standing forward. They were looking forward. I said, this was taken during World War II in Newark, and the person taking the picture, because I could go inside the picture and look backwards, was a man with blue pants, a white shirt. He had a tie on. And I said, but he had a rough time with the camera. I said, he was sort of like holding it very oddly. And the woman with the apron was very nervous because she collected all her uh, ration stickers to buy meat. And it was being cooked. And it was taking so long to take the picture, she was afraid the meat was going to get burnt. Yeah. (laughs) And. So I says, and that's the man who took the picture. She said, okay, thank you. And then I left. So she called the other woman, uh, the woman with the apron. That was her aunt. The other woman was her mother who passed away. And she asked the woman, she said, you know, that picture you gave me years ago, what you in the garden, what mom, and you had an apron on. Can you tell me the story of that? She goes, oh, she goes, I'll never forget it. She goes, that was taken during the war. And she says, we were there to take pictures, and your Uncle Stan was there to take the picture, but he had polio. He couldn't hold the camera, and he he was twisting. It took so long. And she goes, you won't believe this, but I had a roast in the oven that I collected all these stamps for, and I was afraid they were going to burn. Yeah. (laughs) And so – she goes, okay, thank you very much. And then when I about an hour or so later, she calls me up and she said, you got everything right. That's amazing. You know, most people um, that do work in the psychic realm don't uh, have nothing in comparison to your abilities, as far as I know. Um, because not only do you, most of us, uh, you know, I believe in what you were saying. It was very good advice to stay grounded and have other interests besides this because you could lose your mind, I yes. think. Um, and I believe in that. And sometimes I'm, you know, painting a wall or gardening and then I got to stop and do a show or something. So I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I was very glad to hear you say that. Um, and so that people understand that you have a normal life besides this. And I think that makes you so relatable. You know, that's what I like about it. I like your advice that you give people to stay earthly, you know? 
the tech, the word I use is stay grounded. Stay grounded. Absolutely. Right. Listen, um, I want to ask uh, Dr. Suli had mentioned while we were before the show, when we were kibitzing a bit, that uh, she has introduced you to a couple of her um, clients. Yes. Okay. Can so, you can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Sure. So you know, I think um, in uh, psychology there are several schools of thought, and some are very um, uh, strict with cognitive kind of things and not looking in contextual. But I really like to think of the larger context, and I guess it's because of my life experience, and I find a, a lot of like-minded people with whom I work also um, mm -hmm. that try to think of a larger context and believe in um, the energy flow and many of the things that we don't know about or don't fully understand. Um, but I work a lot with, uh, you know, all different cases, but particularly in cases of grief um, where I've been working when I, I was recall one case where I was working, I won't, you know, disguise it a little bit to protect the privacy, but um, working with someone who had lost um, a young child and was really concerned. Like I, I really couldn't help. I was having a hard time helping her. She was so, so distraught. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after working a few months, uh, usually people improve a little bit with grief, but she wasn't improving. And her main concern was that the child was just lost in oh. the, uh, in the next world, like totally, you know, caught off guard and not and totally lost. And so I thought maybe Carl can help her with that, you know? So um, I, I spoke to her about, can you, you know, uh, we've been working a long time. Um, I know uh, it, it seems like you're so worried. What are you worried about? And she told me that I really think like, what if he's just lost? And like, I don't know where he is, you know, did he go to heaven? Where is he? Whatever. Um, she's um, uh, Catholic and she believed in, in heaven. But she, So I introduced her to Carl and she said she would like to meet him. I told her about what he, you know, I don't know if he'll be able to help you or not, but he sometimes can see um, people have moved on and can talk to the people who have moved on. And so he's, she wanted to. And it was so helpful because he gave, had some specific things that came through that, were messages that only she would relate to that really helped her, like specific color of a, our father's suit, like a grandfather had, had left, that died, and was with the child's spirit. And he described the way he looked and the color that he was wearing, which was a specific message to her about the color suit he always liked to wear. Um, and another person who had uh, something in her walk that was a problem with her walk and he just says I don't know I see someone who walks like this and is with him and she just it just really helped her so much she just felt so relieved that's amazing what yeah. a great combination you both are <laughs> together yeah. it must uh it must be feel amazing to be able to offer uh that unique side for your clients because uh, I truly believe that mediumship is uh, very helpful in the grief process myself. And, and that's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree. That is absolutely fascinating. You have a practice, uh, Dr. Suli, in 
uh, let me see, where are you? Highland Park. Highland, which Highland, Park, Highland Park, New Jersey, yes. Right. And uh, she specializes in grief, loss, uh, anxiety, and personal relationships. You're a graduate of Seton Hall, too, I noticed. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, two of my sisters went there part-time to get their bachelor's while they were in nursing oh. school. And Seton Hall is in Yonkers, right? No, no, no. This is uh, Seton Hall in New Jersey. Oh, South New Jersey. Hall, New, New Jersey. Jersey, Seton Hall. Hall. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were in the Yonkers one, I think it yeah, was. Okay. Um, so they are graduate of, the, of that as well. What uh, What is it like, uh, Dr. Suley, to go somewhere uh, that you don't know anyone with, like a dinner party or some kind of event? What's it like going with Carl? Um, <laughs> do you tell him to, like, not tell you what's going on in the psychic world, or does he fill you in on people that are attending? No, we, he usually blocks when we're at a party or something. He tries not to do that. Okay. Because, you, you, you know, he doesn't want to have a headache and he doesn't want to. It, it does take a certain energy. And also, I think there's an invasion of privacy sometimes. Yes. You know? Yes. I was going to okay. ask about yeah. that. I was going to mm -hmm. ask about that. Yeah. Because uh, it's important to get someone's permission, I believe, before yes. you read them. Right. Uh, they have to want the information, first of all. Mm -hmm. So what do you do, Carl, when uh, you see someone, because I understand your abilities are sort of automatic. You can only temporarily put them on the back shelf. You can't turn them off, correct? That's true. Yes. So when you're, when someone approaches you and you're automatically getting all this stuff, what do you do like later or what do you do? Well, it could be very scary. Um, yeah. I was at a party once and I saw a man come in with his family. I looked at the man and I knew he was contemplating committing suicide. Oh. So what do you do? You yeah. walk up to the man and say, don't commit suicide in front of his family. Yeah. You got to keep your mouth shut. So do you tell the host of the party that this man wants to commit suicide? And they're going to say, and where'd you get that information? Oh, I just see it. They yeah. think you're really nuts. So it's a quant it's really a problem. And so you yeah. gotta keep your mouth shut and just hope you hope that you're wrong. Right. That particular person, uh two weeks later, uh he jumped off the bridge into oh. the Passaic River. He killed himself. And yeah. the problem is is what would a person like me do? Yeah, what can you do? You can't you know? do anything. Right. There is, I don't know if people realize there's a tr uh, tremendous responsibility uh, oh. as well, you know, seeing this. Have you ever, uh, have you and Sully dis uh, discussed why you have these abilities? Was it like, is it a hereditary? Is it by accident? You know, some people's abilities turn on due to trauma. Have you discussed why this has happened? Well, I found out, uh, see, my family are Catholics. Uh -huh. and, uh, so when I would approach my family, they say, oh, we don't believe in it. No right. matter what I do, we don't believe it. We don't believe in it because uh, I believe it scares them. Okay. So what happened is my aunt, my mother's sister, was dying. The last day that she was alive, I was in a hospital with her, and she turned to me and she said, um, your grandmother had the same ability that you have. Oh, my gosh. In Europe, people came from miles around 
just to talk to her because she has the ability. And here, but then the next day, she died. Mm. Um, but it took her to their deathbed before somebody from my family told me that somebody else in my family had that ability. That would have been helpful, perhaps. Yeah, it would no. have given <laughs> peace of mind. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think they were afraid of it. You know, I right. think they yes. were really just afraid of it. All right. Yeah. I'll give you another example, which I think is is it's kind of funny. Uh, I would I looked at my mother, and I saw her with a black dress, with a slit up the side, where her leg is, and my mother was a singer back in the nineteen forties. Wow. I saw her laying on top of a piano in a lounge singing. So I, I said to her, one day I just looked at her and I said, when are you going to tell me about that lounge during a war where you were singing in, in a cocktail lounge? She goes, what are you talking about? I says, you were singing at a lounge. I says, that black dress with the slit up the side. And I says, then you were laying on top of the piano. She goes, I don't know where you're getting that from. I don't know where you're getting that from. And she denied it, denied it, denied it. Years were going by. And every few years, I would bring it up again and say, when are you going to tell me about singing yeah. in the lounge with the black dress with the slit up the side? And she said, no, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about. Till finally, uh, she moved to Georgia. I went to visit her. And it was Christmas time. And we both had Manhattans. We were drinking Manhattans. And my mother was sitting at the other end of the room and she turned to me and she said, like, the tip top lounge. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She goes, during the war, she goes, I was underage. She says, and to make extra money, she goes, I sang at the tip top lounge. She says, to make money. She goes, but nobody knew about it. But now you do. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, I mean, I used to freak her out because I knew we're on dates that she went with my father. I knew dates that she went on with other men oh, no. before she met her father. And all she kept on saying is, my sister's got a big mouth. <laughs> but I knew everything about it. You know, so I had to, I had to knock that off because it was really freaking her out. And her sister hadn't told you any of it. No, her sister... Probably forgot about it a long, long time ago. Yeah. But I knew the conversations they were having after the dance when they left, where they went to the dance, what was said after the dance and during the dance. I knew everything. I even knew the the the, uh, the Buick that her date was driving because I Buicks had this side mounted chrome, and I recognized it and I said, "Oh, by the way, he was driving a Buick." And what she flipped out. Oh you know? no. You know? That's amazing. Uh, Suli, do you ever feel intimidated? Like you can't even do a small lie, right? A white lie. <laughs> can't get away with anything. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that intimidating or are you used yeah. to it now? I think I'm just used to it. I mean, <clears throat> but I think it's, you know, it is true. I don't, I, although um, I think you've told me that it's hard for you to read sometimes me when I'm because we're too close, right? right? Sometimes. Oh, okay. Yes, I can yeah. understand that. I, I, maybe he's just saying that so I could feel better. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. That's what he tells me, though. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Say, 
I, I agree with that. Uh, that's also a good cover. That's a good answer there, Carl. But uh, I think it is harder to read someone you're very close to rather than. Yes. And uh, I don't think he would intentionally be reading. But I was just wondering if he picks things up on you and you say, oh, my God, don't bring that up. Please don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> You've known no. each other so long. I don't think you have any secrets, do you? No, not no. Not really, right? No. Except sometimes uh, we, he tells me, I know what you're thinking. Like, ah, and I say, what am I thinking? And then he'll say, I say, no, that's not what I'm thinking. Sometimes it is, but I don't want to. <laughs> Good for you. You kind of freak with him a little bit, huh? Right. Good for you. <laughs> that's really cute. We have, uh, I want to just put a shout out to some of our people here that joined us. And I have a couple of questions. Uh, let me see who we have here. Let me get back here. We have uh, Sugar Magnolia. Thank you for joining us, Kim. Th shout out to Linnell and Kim. Uh, Jolshina is here. Very excited about the show. Ruth Saltman, who is also an author and also a uh, show host here on Goldilocks Productions. Thank you for joining us. Richard Riddle is here. Uh, Julie Peller, Peller. Thank you for joining us again. Carol High from North Carolina. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Uh, let me see. Ruth, we have Richard Riddle. Richard, uh, hi, Robin. Nice to see you here. Uh, Robin remembers you, uh, Carl, from your last visit. And uh, Richard had uh, asked, what made you go into um, independent filmmaking? Uh, because it was easier for me to make a movie than write a book. Oh, okay. Well, I can understand that. And uh, I also you have work, your own company. Yes. I also work, I work for other uh, film companies. So uh, I recall the first time I made a film, uh, the film company, you know, it's independent. And they said, uh, Carl, we need a vampire movie. Make a vampire movie. Uh, and I says, I really don't like vampire movies because you're always shooting in the dark. Like, <laughs> just, just make a vampire movie. So I went out and I made a movie for two thousand dollars, you know, wow. and uh, that was my budget. And I shot it, and uh, I was lucky. I was friends with some of Ed Wood's, the director Ed Wood, some of mm -hmm. his people, and they were in it: Dolores Fuller, Conrad Brooks, and uh, the the movie sold eighty six thousand copies. Not bad for a two thousand dollar investment. No. And then I started making other films and uh, also uh, documentaries. Yes, yes. You, I know of the um, the Roslyn incident. We we called it right. Ro Roswell, right? Roswell. Um, you did that as a documentary. You did the Iron Pound, Ironbound Vampire. Right. The haunting of um, Danbury House. Okay. Danbury House. Right. House. Right. I should know that because I used to live close to Danbury, Connecticut. The, um, what is it? Larksville Ghost. Right. And Requiem for a Vampire. Yes. That, All those films. And The Ghost right. of Angela Webb, 
Oh, which, right. The ghost of Angela Webb. And, so that's several plus your documentaries. And the one was on UFOs. Are there any other documentaries that I haven't mentioned? Well, I'm working right now with uh, another filmmaker, uh, the history of uh, Teddy Ruxpin. That's the, uh, it's like a, a puppet doll that they had back in the eighties. Uh, animatronics. Oh, okay. You know, uh -huh. and uh, the history of that. And, uh, that's something I'm working currently on. Cool. Very nice. Hi, Gigi. Thank you. Gigi saying, I just got chills. Uh, she's, uh, Richard appreciates that answer. Thank you. And Gigi says, I got chills. I, you can't help but get chills with this power couple here. When um, you were first married, Suli, to Carl, he had finished his uh, service in Vietnam, correct? Yes. And he had recuperated from uh, serious injuries. So he's already got trauma going, right? Yes. That's trauma, veterans trauma and injured trauma and the trauma maybe of being an unrecognized psychic with no support. What was that like? This can't be a normal, you know, it's sort of like you both are growing up together. I guess it would be normal to you. Tell me in your words what that's like. What is that like? Yeah, I mean, I think that was normal for 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 me, for us. We just, um, uh, you know, while he was in the hospital, I mean, that was the most traumatic time when he was uh, recuperating in the hospital. He was in, um, six months yeah. hospitalized, almost died. Uh, yeah. And I do remember, um, you know, feeling really sad and scared during that time. But what I remember is that he, he had seen his funeral and oh, wow. uh, and he he told me about the outfits that my mother and my dad wore. Like my mother had this purple dress with a brooch, and she had that dress. He wouldn't have known about that dress, but she had a dress like that in the closet. Mm. Um, and he had actually seen like his funeral and people going by. So luckily, he didn't die. <laughs> but I guess that would have been maybe an alternate dimension or another possibility another that could have happened you know and thankfully it didn't work out that way right so, so it was very like it was very um strange that he would have these conversations and these thoughts but i didn't I knew he wasn't really crazy. Like he was getting, you know, he was, he, he was worried about like, am I have, is there something wrong with me? Am I going crazy? And I, I just knew that that wasn't it because everything else was okay. Like, so mm -hmm. we can, he, he was mild mannered and, you know, worked and, and was, able to do, do function very well. So we just didn't, we didn't understand what it was uh, until he finally connected later on years later with the priest and the parapsychology, the priest from Morristown and the parapsychology center then that helped them to realize what was going on. You know, um, I was just thinking that, you know, it's a struggle in the beginning you're in love, but it's still everyday life is still a struggle when you're first married, you know, learning mm -hmm. about things yeah. about each other. Uh, but of course, you knew each other pretty well. Just to add this to the mix, I thought was uh, it's got to be kind of trying. But I think it says a lot about both of you um, to your stick to itiveness 
you know, is remarkable and that you enjoy each other in spite of. So I really wanted to bring out what is it like to live with someone like Carl and his projects. But I, and I like, once again, I just want to say, I like the way that you blend both your careers together to help people, mm -hmm. I think is fascinating. Uh, one of our watchers, some, we are also on Rumble, by the way. So if you're on Rumble, give us a Rumble, a plus sign, please. And if you're on YouTube, we could certainly use a thumbs up, a like, and subscribe. Uh, Julie Pellier is on here, and she's asking, she's, well, she's saying, thank you for normalizing my gift. Although I've had it my whole life, it wasn't until last year when I was hospitalized with COVID that I realized I had a truly had a gift. What do you say to people like that, either of you? Do you have any advice for people who are coming into this or have had it all their life and they're not sure what to do with it? What do you both suggest for them? Well, from my point of view, I think um, sometimes it is a, some traumatic event that actually brings it to light. Mm -hmm. And I think, like for instance, in Carl's case, it was probably his hospitalization where he almost died that yeah. kind of maybe – you know, he had it before, but that really helped it come full blown into awareness. Um, and I think my my advice is don't be afraid of it. You know, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with you, obviously. Um, and be open to learning and talking to other people about it. Uh, mm -hmm. And mainly don't be afraid of it. And also to seek help, I would say, like Carl did, he got great advice. Yes. He referred to someone and be in a supportive environment. Absolutely. Well, that's the important thing, to find somebody who's supportive. Yeah. I mean, I was very fortunate that I had people around me who accepted it, knew what I, what I was all about, the things I could do. But if I didn't have that, most of the people around me would hate me. Uh, okay. They think you're nuts. Right. Uh, I would lose friends. Family would stop talking to me. You know, so it's a mixed bag. I mean, uh, like I said, I was very fortunate, but yeah. it's not for everybody. It caused a lot of problems. I, I think uh, one thing I want to say is like, I think what happened with us is that um, <clears throat> for me, my background, uh, I am, I was born in Brazil. Oh, okay. And so my family immigrated to New Jersey uh, to the United States when I was seven years old. But in my background, um, my family um, are, in Brazil, especially spiritism is very big. And there's uh -huh. a big mix between the Catholic religion and spiritual, like Kardecian spiritism. Yeah. So people from my family have been going to spirit centers. Okay. Um, uh, so it was not an odd thing for me. So when Carl was, telling me some of this it just was a natural blend like oh okay <clears throat> he says i see ghosts yes of course people do see ghosts you know like it was not anything odd so i think that's enough that's when you're saying carolyn about um finding people that are supportive and are like-minded sometimes they're just right around you mm -hmm. um as long as you know people are open to the to the uh experience and i think that's what happened with us why we connected it was just very natural for me in my family there was no nothing odd about someone who could see ghosts or spirits yes yes well i i feel that you um i think you're very fortunate carl and i'm sure you realize that sure. to have the support I, it just feels like you're the perfect match 
So to me, that is uh, heavenly inspired to me, I would say. So I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a gift from God for both of you to find each other, I think is lovely, really lovely. What do you both think about um, that you don't take payment, Carl, because you work on an individual basis? What do you think of others? This is probably an unfair question. What do you think of people who are, are well-known and out there that do this kind of work? What, what do you think about that? Do you think there's a lack of sincerity or is that something, are you glad you're not like that? And what do you think of that? No, I totally understand why, uh, you know, people, they make this their, their livelihood and they do work, you know, for what they, they get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were really bad, they're not going to be in business at for very long, they're going to be out of business. Uh, but people who are good uh, do deserve to charge. And I see no problem with that at all. Uh, I only look at perspective from my perspective uh, because I'm not like other psychics. I, I don't do it right. for a living and I don't tell people what they want to hear. Right. Uh, that's, that's one of the problems. It's yes. um, if you tell, like if I start to charge, um, in order to keep in business, I better tell them something that they, that they want to hear. If I tell them what they don't want to hear, I'll be out of business real quick. So I, I don't I don't ever charge. But even mm-hmm. but even so, you, I've heard you say to me like um, it's you know we have a lot of good friends that are psychics and do charge and we think they're perfectly ethical and are um, you know there's nothing wrong with that and they're no. being ethical. It's just, there's also a certain preparation you have to do, you know, you have to have a certain preparation, you have to have a certain training and you have to have a certain frame of mind to be able to do that. And I don't think you really want, you know, that's not really what you, what's in your heart, what you feel like doing for you. It's, you know, it's like uh, if I see something or if I take a case, I have no time to play around. I'll just say exactly what I see and tell them. It may not be what they want to hear, but it's, okay. you know, I find it to be the truth. I have a funny story about that. It's like, this is just Carl's personality. He uh, just does not hold back on any, uh, any punches, uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, he'll like in, in family situations and with friends, it's like very hard for him to uh, sugarcoat anything. Uh-huh. So I remember one time being uh, a long time ago, going to a movie taking my nephew to the movies. Carl and I had taken my nephew to the movie. My nephew was 10 years old this time. And, and there was somebody interviewing at the end of the, at the, outside the movie theater interview. What, what did you think of the movie? So Carl go, got right on there and says, Oh, tell him everything that was wrong about the movie. What he didn't like about it. And my nephew was going, his, he was like, Oh wow, Uncle Carl! He's just telling like it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> letting it rip. Yeah, he just lets it rip. So I think it's just his personality. I don't, you know. So I think that's when you're saying I don't tell people what they want to hear. But I, I think it's just like how you are about everything. Um, I think as far as like uh, our the way we feel. Well, I think we've talked about this a lot. The way we feel about psychics who do charge. There are a lot of very good psychics who charge and, and and should get paid for what they do you know why not it's just like it's just not not you that, that's not my cup of tea yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. if you i have 
quite an eclectic group of friends that yes. I uh, that you've accumulated through this, uh, both of your paths, I would imagine. What's a dinner party like at your house? <laughs> uh, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. Never have my family or my psychic friends over at the same time. Right. Because I recall I had um, Ingo at the house with my family. And also Paula Roberts was at the same party with my family. Oh, boy. So, so Ingo's sitting there, and he goes, um, "I," he says, "I checked out Mars. I was on Mars, looking at it." And my family looks at him, and Paula says, "Well, I've been to the moon." <laughs> <laughs> and this is a normal conversations that we have when I'm with them, but here's my family, and they're listening to these people, these adults. Saying that they traveled to different, you know, they just didn't mix. different planets. They never mix. You never put them together. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's got to be like uh, could get dangerous there. You know, be throwing some meatballs or something. I don't know. You know, so, so, so what it's like at our dinner parties, they're very small. We just separate groups, separate different groups. <laughs> That's very smart. What what do you do, Carl, when do you use this intuitiveness? Uh, and since your family is familiar with this, too, I wanted to ask uh, Suli about her intuitiveness. Do you, Carl, do you use this to um, uh, in your own life? Like, uh, I'm not going to go right today while I'm driving. I'm going to go left because I feel there's an accident going to the right. Um, I'm not going to take this project on because I think this guy is, you know, a little right. shifty. Do you use your intuitiveness in your everyday function? Oh, sure. When uh, with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, we would sit down and she would talk about different events that were coming up. And uh, she said, here's a picture of the guy running it. And I look at the picture and say, stay away from this guy. He's bad. There you go. And so she know, knew better. The minute I said it, she goes, all right, well, disregard this. No, never an argument. And then she would come back to me and say, boy, am I lucky I dodged the big bullet. That guy, you know, stole the funds and he oh, wow. never had a convention. You know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so it's it's nice that people, that I could sit with people and I could have these conversations. And they listen to me. And yeah. it works out great. Yeah. That's fabulous. At least they listen to you, which oh, I yeah. really, that's great. How about you, Sully? Do you feel coming from a family that's familiar uh, with the spirit world? Do you feel that you have uh, an intuitiveness? Um, I think I, I don't have something on anywhere near the level of Carl. And I think by, and I don't really recognize specifically intuitiveness, but I think what I, what I do feel is like, when I'm leaning towards a direction, like let's say if I'm thinking I should be doing this and uh, oh, I don't really have a good feeling I'm going to do this, then I don't get upset. I just think it was meant to be. There's some reason why I went, you know, that direction. Mm -hmm. uh, more and, and that way, just of. More like trusting. an inner trust. Yes, inner trust that mm -hmm. just trust my gut, go with the direction I'm, I feel like going in. And, and if it didn't work out, it was probably meant to be yeah. uh, maybe somebody up there trying to help me get out of some trouble or something. 
I think that both of you think uh, a lot alike. So I think that helps the blend work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just surmising. I don't know either of you that well, but I'm just, I kind of get the feeling that you're both coming from the same place on that. And I feel like you're both uh, have a lot of empathy and understanding of the human condition that helps tremendously. And uh, a matter of fact, being matter of fact about uh, incorporating this instead of making, Oh, I'm so special. You know um, I think being matter of fact about it is re- people relate to that. They can, mm-hmm. it's fascinating, but yet they can relate to it because everybody has some mm-hmm. kind of intuitive gift, gift exactly. or gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's remarkable. Carl, when let me ask you: When you went, are you going to write about the experiences in Europe and uh, in England? Are you going to write about what you saw over there? It's in the and, book. Okay, it's in the book. book. Okay, I didn't get there yet. Okay. Are do you feel um, if you can look into the future on different timelines? Oh, you can't. No, I can only see the past. Uh, what's happening now or the past. Okay. Do you see things that kind of scare the hell out of you or that you'd rather, you know, if you see something that scares you, what do you do? Um, I don't sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Talk talk about a time slip, how that scary that was. Oh, I think the the scariest thing that ever happened in my life was a time slip. Um, I, and this is one of the stories in the book where, um, I was sort of like lured into a cemetery and all of a sudden, as I stood there, everything about the cemetery started to change. The, um, the fence was from modern was now wooden, a wooden fence, uh, tombstones that were in the, in the background were now trees. And I was watching, uh, them having a funeral uh, for someone there, he he called him. He was a soldier of the revolution. Ah, oh. and I later found out the year was like 1830. And um, what was so scary about it is, I was terrified that I went into this time slip and they could see me. When I walked towards the funeral, they stopped doing everything. The minister and all the people turned and they stared at me. Wow. That means I from the future was now in the past and they're staring at me. And I'm 200 years ago or so. I was terrified because uh, what was going through my mind was here I am about 600 feet from where I parked my car. If I'm stuck here, they'll find my car and say I disappeared. Right. And yet I am stuck in this, this mm. old, old days. That is now, scary. It is scary because um, I didn't know what to do. I was really scared and I was afraid that I was going to stay there. Yes. Now, you know, people say, oh, you know, I don't know about time slips. The minute I started talking about time slips, you would be surprised how many people approached me and told me their stories mm-hmm. about time slips. And see, here's another thing. I happened to be in a cemetery where I could see tombstones and trees and all that. Uh, There was um, two brothers that talked about going into the woods in Pennsylvania and they were walking through the woods and uh, they saw a river and they saw 
a truck like from the 1950, like 54, 55, a pickup truck, which they thought was pretty, it was in great condition. And there it was. And so they left that area and they wrote, they came back the very next day and they saw there was a, a bridge and a dam that was there now. And so they saw a park ranger and they said, that bridge wasn't here yesterday. How could you build that in a day? He goes, what are you talking about? He said, we built that in 1959. Wow. Two brothers are walking in the woods and they walk through a time slip and they walk back prior to 1959. Mm-hmm. And they came back. They luckily they were still in, in modern times. Right. Time. And the very next day, they found out that they were in a, involved with a time slip. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because when I lived in Pennsylvania in the Poconos, I uh, used to walk my dogs in this area that was a, originally a farm and it was taken over by the state. You know, there's a farmhouse there and a lot of property. So it was by the Delaware Water Gap. Right. So it was part of the state uh, taking care of it. But as I'm walking my dogs, and you know how your brain is in neutral, and I wasn't doing any of this work at the time, uh, I happen to glance over and I see this gentleman uh, who I presume is a Mennonite because he had the straw hat and the overalls and a a plaid shirt on, and he's pushing a wheelbarrow. And I can, and uh, past the wheelbarrow, there's nothing, just the top half of him. And he looked right at me and then turned away and kept pushing the wheelbarrow. And I was like, what was that? Is that considered a, you know, that really kind of freaked me out as, as a matter of fact. Um, is that considered a time slip? Like, was I walking in an area that this is what the property was like? Oh, sure. Okay. You okay. know, and it's, um, I had one person who was driving, uh, this is a 1956. He was driving his car down the Ohio Turnpike. Now, the Ohio Turnpike is not like it is now. It wasn't a straight road. It dipped down and then it went up. And, you know, it took hours to get across the Ohio Turnpike. So he got his ticket to get on it. Two hours later, he was getting off the Ohio Turnpike. And he said, how can this be? How can I have traveled the Ohio Turnpike in 1956, mind you, in two hours? So he got so nervous, he called up the police and he said, maybe I was speeding really fast. Maybe I hit somebody. Maybe I killed somebody. How uh, can I travel in two hours to Ohio Turnpike? And I met him. He's now 85 years old. And he says, I can never get that on my my system. He goes, for a brief time, he goes, I skipped through time. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting that people, everyday people do experience these things. And uh, that is fascinating. What, what is that? What do you, what would you both consider that? Like. It is a slip in time. Yeah. It's scary. It's 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 sometimes an area, right? Yeah. It could be an area, you know, (laughs) a a particular um, place that you walked on into uh, almost like a different dimension that you're not aware of. Right. You just happened to walk in an area where you saw this like Mennonite guy with the, uh, with a wheelbarrow. He just happened to be in that dimension when you walked in. Yes. And I'm sure shortly after that, he disappeared and you never saw him after that. I never saw him. 
but it was interesting that he looked right at me like you had mentioned. Right. These when you're at this funeral that goes way back, and they all turned around. Now that's kind of interactive. That wouldn't really be considered energy, right? No, um, it's I'm interacting with them, and what was really scaring me and freaking me out was I'm looking at these people, knowing very well that I'm looking into the eyes of dead people. Oh, wow. Now, do you know how you... Oh, it's very creepy. It's like these people who are dust now are staring into my eyes. I'm an uninvited guest into their time, and they're staring at me. Like, Mm -hmm. almost like, why are you here? Why are you invading my time? Exactly. And did you have, what made you think you couldn't, you slipped in that you couldn't slip out? What made you feel that you were like kind of, I can't get out of here? Well, it, it never happened to me before. Oh, okay. And it, the thing is, I never even thought of a time slip before. And uh, I found out later, you know, who the man was. Because when I got the nerve years later to walk into that cemetery, I walked up to the tombstone where the man was given his the last rites to or the service to. And I saw the man's name when he died. So I know what year I was there. And I looked at these women. And uh, one thing that shocked me is that their clothes were all wrinkled. Uh, the colors of the clothes were almost like watercolor. They were not, they didn't stand out. And these women that were probably in their 20s looked very haggard and it looked very tired and it looked like somebody in their forties or fifties. And I'm sure they were in their twenties. So I'm looking at these people who are long dead. I'm seen the way they're dressed. Uh, there's mud at the bottom of all their dresses. Yeah. And uh, the men, the clothes are very crude. Like we have buttons and elastics and things like that. They don't have, they never had clothing like that. And their shoes very, the shoes are very crude. I was paying attention to everything about them. And I was saying, my God, where the hell am I? What year is this? And am I ever going to get back? Because Susie's going to say, where is this guy? Right. Like he just took off, you know. Right. He had enough and he left. (laughs) (laughs) And he left his car behind. Oh. That is really creepy, but it's interesting uh, to bring that up. That is, I think it's reassuring to people who do have those little mind slips and I don't know how you would get back. I have no clue. Uh, I think that you could get out. I think you can get out as fast as you can get in, but you know, I don't know. I'm not a professional, so I don't know that, but well, that would many be. People never did. I mean, I mean, I was lucky. Some of the people I spoke to were lucky that they came back to modern times. Yes. Yes. How many people had a time slip, got back in time, and never returned? Oh, God. That's a subject for another day, Carl. Right. We'll have to have both you and Sue on again. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. What a great show. We are at the hour. I just want to thank you so much, both of you, for taking time to join us in the Psychic Flow. And uh, I look forward to talking more with you both. And best of luck. Thank you. It's great being on. God bless you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic perks. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.